been doing over the last few weeks is we've been in a series that we simply titled Good Grief because we've been trying to change the mindset of grief to turn it to something that is actually good for you. Do you know that grieving is a healthy process? It's a healthy emotion. It's something that God wants us to be able to walk through. But what we said in week one of the series is that grief is a lens to look through and to learn through, but it's not a lens to live every day of your life through. At some point, you have to walk through it And let some of that get wiped off your eyes so that you can begin to see life in a hopeful way. That was week one of the series. And last week we talked about six stages of grief. That that some of us get stuck in a particular stage of sorrow or struggle or just uh, angst that we're frustrated and trying to work through. And and we want to help you to walk through those stages. Today I'm believing that at the conclusion of this service that some of us are going to have clear lenses, that some of us are going to have the, uh, the, the strength to move forward through grief and find healing. But here's what I have discovered after 25 years of pastoring, and that is when you're stuck in grief, many, many of us, many people begin to consider giving up. They say, I prayed that prayer five years ago. This started 11 years ago. It's been three months. It's whatever your timeline is that you begin to get frustrated and you say, well, you know what? I tried and now I want to give up. I want you to know that for many, many years of my life, I have tried to put God on my timetable. Anybody tried to do that? Come on. One time I actually prayed and said, God, you're late. And he laughed just like y'all did right there. Because God's timing is God's timing. I think one place in the Bible says that a thousand years is as a day to God and a day is as a thousand years. And so I'm like, God, can it just be a day in my life, not a, not a, not a day in your life? You know, like, I would like it to be shorter on my behalf. Can I get a better amen? I'd like God to answer our prayers. But there is this tendency to give up. And the Bible describes that desire to give up as losing heart. I'm going to show it to you, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. The Apostle Paul says, Let us not, come on, say, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time, God's time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. Don't lose heart in doing good, because in the right amount of time, God is going to answer, and I don't know what God's timing is for your life, but I know that no matter what, God is always on time. God is always God, and He's always good. And so leaning into that today, I want to I show you three places where the Bible talks about the challenges that we might meet and how we should not lose heart in that particular area. I, 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 can I just give you the modernized language? Don't get discouraged. Don't give up in the grief. If I had the title today's message, that's what I would title it. Don't give up in the grief. Here's three areas that we tend to think we ought to give up. The first is... We tend to think about giving up when the task looks enormous. Every once in a while, when you kind of look into your briefcase of problems and pain and what happened in your past, if you haven't dealt with it, that that little briefcase is probably gone to a backpack now. And if you haven't dealt with a little bit of that, that that backpack is turned into, come on, a full-on carry-on, right? And then if you aren't careful, the carry-on becomes something that you need to start checking luggage when you show up at people's houses. Like, is there anywhere I can stick this so that it doesn't disturb everybody that's here today? Sometimes the tasks that we have in our lives just look enormous. 
Some losses feel bigger than other losses. And unfortunately, we are living in a generation where we're not preparing, uh, we are unprepared and we aren't preparing the future generations to deal with grief and with stress the way that we're supposed to. We want everybody to win every single time and because no one's ever lost until their 20s, the first loss that they have, they consider committing suicide. But the earlier there are losses in your life and the more you learn that God shows up in the midst of that pain, the more you begin to trust and build grit and strength that you'll make it through the other side. And so like when your kid doesn't make the team, that's okay. When they don't win it, it's okay. Don't go buy them a special trophy. Come on now. Some of y'all don't even want to say amen right there. Just, just, just meddling, you know. I come from the old school that second place, you didn't get a trophy. I think I'm better for it. How about y'all? Half of y'all like that. The other half are like, I don't know. King Saul, let's go back to the Bible. How about that? King Saul and the people of Israel felt overwhelmed when Goliath challenged them. Goliath, the Bible tells us, was enormous. He was about nine feet tall. If you've been coming here for a little while, you'll probably recognize that we've got a number of basketball players uh, from colleges around here that attend our church, and they're fun to hang out with. I love them, but every time I walk up to them, I'm just looking up just a bit, right? I, I know I look taller to y'all right now, but I'm, not, I'm only about 5'10 on a good day, and if I wear high shoes, come on, 5'11". When you're looking up at somebody that's 6'6", you're like, oh, you know, they're, 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 they're looking up. When you're looking up at 9 feet, come on now. That's enormous. The Bible tells us that Goliath was so big that your whole body could fit in one of his pant legs. He was a big guy. He was a heavy guy. And here's how David responded to them. First Samuel chapter 17, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Today, I would just say to you that no matter how big the baggage is in your life, I want you to grab a hold of this verse from King David, who be, the man who became King David to Saul, saying that, that God was big enough to work through him to overcome a giant in his life. We lose heart when the task looks enormous. Secondly, we lose heart when the unknowns cloud what we actually do know. I call this the I don't knows. This is what happens in your life. You, you don't know what's going to happen next. And, and so there's what I know, what I don't know, what I know I don't know, and what I don't know that I don't know. <laughs> you catching this? There's a lot of unknowns in our life. And if you aren't careful, you will live in the rumor mill. You will live in that cycle of unknowns and you will forget what you do know. It's interesting right now in our world as... We have wars and rumors of wars. How often I'm asked, Pastor, is it the end times? Is this the end, Pastor? And I said, well, technically, when Jesus left, the end began. And they never liked that answer. <laughs> literally, at my daughter's volleyball game yesterday, literally, somebody walked up to me and said, Pastor, are you pre-tribulational rapture? Are you going to leave in the middle? Are you post-tribulational rapture? Some of you are like, don't even know what I'm talking about. This is not going to be a theological dissertation today. I just looked at him. I'm like, I'm at my daughter's volleyball game. He's like, is it the end? I'm like, yes, it's the end. Just to mess with him and his eyes got real big. Is this World War III? Is this the beginning? Listen, listen. Jeremiah 51, 46. Do not lose heart. 
or be afraid when rumors are heard in the land. One rumor comes this year, another the next. Rumors of violence in the land. There's always going to be some sort of unknown that we don't know. That's why we live by faith. And here's what I would say if you were wondering on the theological dissertation. I pray for pre-tribulational rapture, but I'm preparing for post-tribulational rapture. So I want to go up in the first elevator if there is a first elevator. How about y'all, right? If God has taken people up out of this deal before it gets crazy, take me, God. Amen, everybody? But if he's not, give me the fortitude and the strength to make it to the other side. Some things we don't know for certain, but when the unknowns begin to cloud what you do know, and you start to question God, hey, hey, everybody, rumors aren't facts, and following rumors can ruin your heart. One of my good friends Whenever she starts feeling like she's just real anxious, she says, Pastor, Pastor, my nerves is bad right now. I love how she says it. It just kind of makes me laugh every time. I literally know to my wife, she said, how do you feel about this service? I said, my nerves is bad right now. <laughs> Anytime you're, un- you're living in the unknowns, you're focusing all of your attention on the wrong thing. We lose heart when the task looks enormous. We lose heart when the unknowns cloud what we do know. But thirdly, we lose heart when the weight of that subject matter is exhausting. We've all been there. We've all been in a situation where even showing up to the conversation just felt so heavy. Today, I want you to know that I recognize the weight. I recognize the weight of trying to make it work in a marriage. I recognize the weight of trying to survive the loss of a loved one. I recognize the weight of raising children in today's world. I I recognize the weight of just, come on, where are my technology parents out there? Just trying to keep up with screen time with your children. I don't consider cussing too often, but dealing with technology and my kids sometimes, I need to pray more. How about y'all? Is it okay that I said that? Some of y'all are cussing. I just said I considered it. (laughs) In the military, when you join, they run you like crazy. Before long, they add a rucksack to your back to add weight so that you will be accustomed to what it's like to build the strength to not only carry yourself, but to carry someone else or something else with you And when you first start, the weight feels exhausting. It's overwhelming. It's too much. But before long, what used to tire you out, you've developed a grit and a strength to. And now you can grab what is uh, accustomed to another child on your back, you know, 70 pounds. You're able to carry a a rifle and a rucksack and go. and, And you're able to carry the weight. It's no longer exhausting because the weight didn't change. You changed. Today, I know that the weight is exhausting, but I believe that there's a God who gives us the strength to make it through exhausting seasons. And so I I decided, you know, one of my friends was like, hey, why don't don't we do this? Why don't we get a weight vest? (laughs) And so how many of y'all know your pastor's always up for some sort of challenge like that? And so I bought a weight vest. And I started just the first time I wore it, I decided I was going to walk with it. And then my son decided to, to wear it one day, and he ran like two miles with the weight vest on. And I looked down and said, I really hate you right now. <laughs> but it's kind of interesting as I was walking through my neighborhood, um, uh, you know, with this haircut and a weight vest, everybody's like, thank you for your service. <laughs> thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. All I needed was, and for, uh, just to be clear, I've never been in the military. Although my dad would say, you're in God's army, son. <laughs> 
that's funnier than some of y'all want to laugh. I'm just trying to, trying to help you deal with a little bit of the grief. But you know, the first time I carried the weight, it was a lot. And I could feel the weight of his, uh, it's a 20-pound vest, it's 10 on the front and 10 on the back, just breathing. It felt exhausting. Today, I want you to know as your pastor that I, that I only, not only know what it's like to do that physically, but I know what it's like to have that, that emotional feeling that you just, you just can't breathe in the situation. 2 Corinthians 4, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are we're exhausted. Though outwardly we're, we're wasting away. Listen, the enormity of our grief, the unknowns, and the exhausting nature of carrying so much will make you want to give up. But I'm here to tell you that though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly God is beginning to do something new. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 goes on to tell us how we're, we're able to keep heart rather than lose heart. How we're able to make it through rather than give up. And I want to pick it up in verse 8 of chapter 4. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, come on church, but we are not destroyed. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. We know some things, so read the next line, it's underlined, that is why we never give up. One more time, come on. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Did you see how the Apostle Paul gave us the prescription? He lists some of the things that none of us have ever gone through. But every negative, he turned to a positive. We've been perplexed, but you know what? We're not in despair. We've been pressed on every side with troubles, but I'm not crushed. Today, I want to help you to change your mindset that, that the, the weight that you're carrying is something that God knows you're carrying and God can help you to relieve yourself of that weight or he will give you the strength to carry it in the season that you're in. I believe that God is able. And so today, what should we do in light of 2 Corinthians 4? The first thing I want you to do, number one, is I want you to recognize that I and you, we both need spiritual renewal you got to stop letting your soul call the shots. you got to stop letting your body call the shots. If your body's calling the shots and your emotions are calling the shots, you're going to be heading to a place that is always painful. At some point, the Bible says that you need to be born again spiritually. That there needs to be a renewal on the inside. That's the day you gave your life to Christ. But you know, it's not supposed to be a one-time gig. You're supposed to go to God every day so that you're, though your outward is wasting away, your inward life can be renewed every day. 
Jesus prayed it this way, Matthew 6 and 11, give us today our daily bread. You realize that there is a spiritual sustenance that is available to you and you cannot go Sunday to Sunday. You can only, some of y'all are going Sunday to Sunday on sustenance. Real quick, let's just, just have a little fun. How many of y'all could go 24 hours right now without a headache? Any, anybody here? Could, could you give up caffeine for 24 hours? Come on now, come on now. <laughs> very, very few. How many of y'all, like if I said you had to go without sugar, you would be sick for a day? Come on now, right? Some of us have this mindset that I'll get more next Sunday. I'll have enough next Sunday. You need spiritual renewal today. You need spiritual renewal tomorrow. You need spiritual renewal the day after that and the day after that and the day after that. You need daily bread. In the Old Testament, the manna was a picture of daily bread and it only lasted one day. Today, in light of the grief that we're facing, we need to start leaning into spiritual sustenance. One of my good Baptist friends reminded me this week about the old uh, acronym for uh, reading the Bible every day. He called it SOAP. It's Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. Some of you have never heard that. You're going to write it down. Every day you need a little soap to clean some of the garbage out of your life. You need a little Scripture, a little observation, a little application, a little prayer. That's why the psalmist in Psalm 51 said, Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. With the amount of grief we are facing in this world, do you think you have enough spiritual sustenance to make it just feeding yourself once a week? Today I challenge you to lean into this time of worship and leave here with a sustenance that will carry you through the day. The second thing that we need to do, and the Apostle Paul outlined it pretty clearly, is I, I need spiritual renewal, but secondly, I need a change of perspective. Instead of focusing on how heavy it is, we should lighten the load with perspective. Instead of focusing on how bad it is, let's focus in on how good God is in the middle of that circumstance. That's what the Apostle Paul did in the previous verses. He says, yeah, I feel this, but God. I went through that, but God. I'm in it right now, but because I know God in the past, I believe God will do it in the future. He began to stir inside of himself a belief that, that lifting his eyes to God is what he needed to do. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4, 17 as he goes on. He says, for our present troubles are small. That's not how King Saul felt, by the way. When he looked at Goliath, King Saul would have said, my present troubles are big. But Paul said, the way that you get through it is by setting that giant, that situation in light of God. You got a friend that's bigger than any of the pain in your life. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. One of my mentors always says, when you change your pace and you change your place, you immediately have a change of perspective. 
if you slow down a little bit and lean into the renewal that God wants to give you and you find a new place to look to God, you will begin to have a different perspective of what God can do. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the mountains. I lift my, you, gotta, you have to lift your eyes. God is not going to grab your chin and lift it up to the sky. You're going to have to choose to lift your eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Today, the food is not going to do it. The drug is not going to do it. The doctor is not going to fix it. Come on. The, the marriage isn't going to be going to change what's broken on the inside of you. Only God can do those things. I need spiritual renewal. I need a change of perspective. And number three, I need to step out in faith and believe that God's actually going to do that. Today, I'm so proud of you. You're here today. So you've already, you woke up on a Sunday morning with the saints playing and said, hey, I'm going to be in church I'm proud of you. It's a step of faith. But some of you came in carrying a weight vest that you've been carrying for three months to the same place you carried in and you carry it out. How about we leave it today? How about we believe that the God who, who loves you and cares for you and saves you doesn't want you to live with that any longer? I know I'm stretching some of you. That's why I'm saying it's going to take a step of faith. You know, God has never asked me to do something that I, that I already had what I needed in order to accomplish it. Matter of fact, if the dream you feel like you got from God is something you can do without God, it's probably not God's dream. When God asks you to do something, it's always bigger than you. When the pastor at Bell Chase reached out and said, Hey, would you adopt us? Would you? Can we become one church? I thought, we're not even one year in, in this property. And y'all, I know we make it look easy around here, but it was a heavy lift. It was a heavy lift for about 18 months for our team. And I kind of looked at him and said, you know, I don't, I don't need another church for me. How many of y'all know that, right? I don't know. This church is already big enough. Y'all feel that way sometimes? I do. But if heaven and hell are realities, then the church can never be big enough. We've got we've to keep making room as best we can to serve people. So just telling y'all that we were going to do it, how many of y'all know that was a step of faith? Getting our trustees out there to walk the land was a step of faith. Today, you may have to do something you've never done before in order for God to meet you in a way that you've never met God. You may have to step out of your comfort zone. 2 Corinthians 5 says it this way, Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Thanks, Paul. That seems pretty obvious. If I'm here, I'm not there. I got it. But this next line says, For we live by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and away from this pain and away from this grief and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him whether we are at home in the body or away from Him. Hey, church, it takes faith to start this journey. It's going to take faith to keep the journey. It took faith to receive salvation and forgiveness. It's going to take faith 
to believe that God's going to heal your marriage. It's going to take faith to believe God's going to heal the sickness that you're facing in your body. It's going to take faith to believe that God's going to redeem your children. It's going to take faith that, that you're going to step out and believe that God's going to give you that job. It's going to, it's, it started with faith. It's going to, it's going to be in the middle. It's going to be faith. And in the end, it's going to be faith. You're going to have to trust God. So today, as we prepare to close, I don't want you to give up and I don't want you to lose heart because God is on your side. And this week we've been, for weeks we've been praying for this service that you would receive a spiritual renewal, a change of perspective, and that when you step out in faith, God would answer you.